AI is going to play a big part and I definitely would, you know, encourage any photographer or videographer to start looking into it. You know, just begin with trying to create concepts. You don't even have to use it to create work. Use it to help you generate ideas and then yeah. go from there. Start now because I feel like if you don't start now, you're going to be left behind. G'day, I'm Lockie and welcome to D2C Slingshot, a podcast where we interview brand founders and industry experts to help you out on your own journey. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. All right, cool. So today I'm joined here with Jacob, uh, a photography expert from Melbourne. Do you just want to give a quick little introduction to yourself and your business and that sort of thing? Well, firstly, very kind of you to say expert. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm a food photographer. I photograph food and beverages. I also photograph e-com products for websites. If it's food and beverage related, most likely I'll do the job. Um, been around for about five years been improving my work over and over and working with many great brands to help them get the most out of these photos to help drive their sales. And I know all the ins and outs, um, you know, it's good fun and I love it. So yeah, nice. Have you always been into photography or like, how did you, how did you get into it? My background is actually graph design yeah. and I kind of got sick of sitting behind the desk for about eight hours and thought, you know what, I'm going to give photography a try and kind of start that as a side hustle. Um, built it up from there and went full-time into specializing in what I do today. Yeah, nice. So graphic design was your very first ever job or? Yeah, that was my that, that was my full-time, full-time gig. Worked in a studio. Yeah, nice. And how do you see the relationship between graphic designers and photographers? Like, is there a bit of like, um, like, say like carpet layers and painters hate each other because they're always working on top of each other or they do something to piss somebody else off. It's <laughs> like, how do you see the relationship between graphic designers and then photographers? Like maybe a graphic designer will come back to you and say, oh, can you just shoot it like this for me or whatever? Well, I think that's the thing. As a graphic designer, I know the sort of photos that I need to make a website look good, a poster yeah. look good. So it's almost like, just let me do it. Give me the camera and... Um, you know, because I understand concept layouts, uh, it enables me to create better, uh, you know, shot lists and get them approved and then photograph something that a client would be like, yeah, perfect. Um, yeah. Because I understand where it's going to go. Yeah, obviously we do a lot of graphic design work because we run Facebook ads. And yeah, I've had shoots come back from a client and I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, this is going to be like very hard yeah. to use as ads. And like, if you just did it like this, it would have been so much better. But yeah, um, yeah good to know you have that experience behind you to Absolutely. Yeah, actually know what to shoot and how to make it look good as well. Yep. No, big so, time. It's all, mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's all no, right. I was just going to say it's with, it's just like photography and graphic design is communicating something to a client. Uh, sorry, to like the viewer. What are you saying to the viewer? And with graph design, when you'd use, you know, if it's, it was a billboard, the text that you're putting on there along with the photo, it's saying something. So that's kind of how I interpret what I'm trying to say or help my clients interpret what they try to say through imagery and text. So that's where it all kind of comes together. 
Yeah, nice. And I had a bit of a look at your portfolio as well, and that looks super crisp. But I know over the years, like playing around with my cameras, my smartphone, my webcam, my actual camera, like it's just so many different things and so many things like little settings that you need to adjust. And I looked at your portfolio and I was like, these sort of all look the same. They're all consistent, like the lighting, everything like that just looks super crisp. And I think that's one thing that really caught my eye because I know if I was to try to do that with a range of different products on a range of different days, they would look completely different. Mm. So I guess the question that I'm asking is like, how important is lighting and how do you get that consistency in your work? Lighting is very important. I know there was a time where I actually kind of hit a wall where I couldn't create the images I wanted to. And I remember reaching out to this really well-known photographer in the States and he said, learn light. That's, that's what you need to work on before anything else, learn light. And that is so important. That's what I did. And that's actually what helped me create this portfolio of imagery because I, I learned light, I understood it more and that enabled me to know, okay, this is the style I like. I'm going to shoot everything in this style. And that's why my portfolio is consistent. Yeah, it looks insane. It's like the videos that I take on, yeah, my just my camera from my phone, like I'll I'll have different lightings every day because I'm always trying to stuff (laughs) around with it. I'm trying to make it look good and then it'll look good on one day and then the light through the window, it will be different. So it looks shit on a cloudy day. (laughs) It's just so frustrating. So do you take your photos in, say, a studio or do you just have a dark room at home or what do you do? Well, you don't need a dark room. You just need flash. Flash photography cancels out any other light. And most times, like, you know, if you go directly outside and the sun is piercingly strong, hitting your backdrop or whatnot, that can be quite hard for the flash, unless it's very powerful to completely block that light out. Yeah. Uh, but most times it's in a, you know, either on stu- in studio or on location. And yeah. most times what I do here in studio, I can pretty much replicate anywhere. Yeah, nice. That's good to know. So if you're traveling around, you just take those big black boxes that shine down on the little tiny piece of food that you're you're photographing and yeah, it all comes out perfect, eh? Most times, most times. You know, the same principles apply to wherever I am. If I know um, this is is the setup, this is what they want to achieve, it's pretty much um, just comes naturally now. So it's, it's pretty good, straightforward. Yeah. And I know you've done some work for some pretty big clients. Like there's a pretty big chocolate one that you do a bit of work for. Like, how did you come across those brands or they just sort of find you through your quality of work and referrals or? It's very rare that a client will, you know, mostly reach out and say, Jacob, we want to work with you. That does happen. Yeah. But I'm always putting in those emails out, shaking hands, going to, exhibitions and conferences where I'm going to know there's business people there who own a company. Yeah. Always putting yourself out there is actually how I get most of my work. And once they meet you, they shake your hand, they, they feel like they know you. Then you can just, you know, always just try to reach out and help. I don't try to sell when I reach out. I'm there to help. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. That's a good way to go about things. And like a lot of brands, like especially in the e-commerce space, I know you're a bit more into the food industry, but e-commerce space, like I know a lot of people struggle with product photography. It's because they've started a business 
like during COVID or whatever, just from their house, they don't have any business experience and then they don't have any photography experience either. So there's a big opportunity there just to go out and shoot photos because people like really don't know how to shoot photos, I believe. Most people are just operating on their smartphones per se. Mm. And that, that has a place like starting out, just using your phone, absolutely, if that's what's going to get you by. But once you actually do start to make profit, it is worth thinking about, all right, how are we going to expand the business? How are people going to feel like, okay, this looks like a legit product. Yeah. It's trustworthy. It's safe. It looks appealing and tasty. I'm going to buy it. And usually it's with good, good product photography. Yeah, you can definitely notice the difference, say, if you go to a website, it's like a like some of the big bigger beverage brands, it's like they got like those little watermarks just on the mm. outside of the can and stuff. It's just like makes your mouth water. Whereas you go yeah. to say a smaller one and it's just a picture of that chalky milk or something and you're like, yeah. hey, yeah, that'd be nice, but it doesn't make your mouth water, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And like you said, with the can, if you're photographing a can, put some water drops on it. Make it yeah. look thirsty. You know, make that look appealing to someone. And that's those things that as a food and beverage specialist, we take note on those details. Yeah, What's going to make someone go yum? Yeah, for sure. And what are some of the other details that you do to a product? Because I imagine maybe there isn't a heap you can do from my limited experience, <laughs> uh, but like water drops is an obvious one. But what else do you yeah. do to make, say, food look appealing? Well, with food... You're going to want to always make sure like if it's if it's meat, for example, we usually oil them so they look shiny. Yeah. Um, uh, fresh produce such as like greeneries, cucumbers, lettuce, those sort of things. Anything that's fresh, you want to spray them with a bit of water. Uh, that keeps them looking fresh as well because they actually, um, they do become sad. Like once they're on set and under a light, they actually do become sad. So if you keep them hydrated, they usually look nice and fresh. Click the photo and you're good. Yeah. You got to pick out the right ones from the supermarket as well. You don't want to go to the odd bunch or whatever. <laughs> well, the last shoot that we did was for a cookie company. And, um, you know, when we're using ingredients to show what this cookie is made up of, you literally have to pick out all the best um, little ingredients out yeah. of that bunch. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, let's just use pretzels. Now you've got to lay out all the pretzels and pick the best pretzels. You know, if it's Cocoa Pox, um, lay them all out, pick the best ones. So I guess that would look weird if somebody walked into the room and there's five people around this table going, oh, this pretzel looks pretty good. That's right. That's right. But no, it is funny though, because you think like, why should I pick it all out? But then you, you just, if you went to just throw them up in the air on camera without picking the best ones, you can actually see that, it's not as good as the one that you actually handpicked the best elements to throw up. It makes yeah. a huge difference. Yeah, well, that's probably, it shows in your um, your work portfolio, obviously it's very high quality. So going to that extra level, whereas somebody else is probably just like, oh, here's a packet of pretzels and then throw them in everywhere. Literally, so, yeah, this yeah. will do. I wouldn't even have thought of that. Like I would have just been like, I'm stressing about my camera settings. So <laughs> I wouldn't even want to think about picking out the right pretzel. Well, that's why we like to work with the stylist as well. And I've got to admit my work elevated as soon as I started working with the stylist, because that allows the stylist to focus on those details. Like you said, I could, I wouldn't be able to focus on everything all at once, you know, camera settings, light settings, how's the product looking, all those things is up to me. The stylist, their job is to make it look good. 
And as soon as I started doing that and working with the stylist, your work just becomes so much better. Yeah, for sure. And then with your team, so you, obviously you got yourself, your stylist. Is there anybody else that you bring on to shoots? Usually an assistant. Yep. They, they'll help myself and the stylist. Uh, those things help enable us to work much easier and it just allows the flow to become much easier and it's a better day rather yeah. than running around um, and doing trying to do everything. As I said, the, the bigger the team, the better. Uh, you can actually crank out some more work as well. You know, it's not just like, you know, certain certain photos um, that'll just make it up for, you know, one product or whatnot. But yeah, it just depends. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then obviously you've got the stylus and then props are a big thing in product photography as well. Uh, I, like, how do you go about that? Because I look at some images and I'm like, why did they even put that there? I would never have thought of that. Yeah, props are huge. Uh, picking the right props, because even if you have the wrong props, sometimes it's better to have no props if you have the wrong props. Props help tell a story. So that's what, you know, a, a stylist is good for as well. They'll think about how can we tell this story better. And they're the ones usually with the massive room of just like bucket loads of props. Yeah. Yeah, I follow um, a couple of studios on uh, Instagram and like the amount of props they have, it's just like, why do you even have that? But then you see it in a photo, it's like, oh, that makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. And every brand is different. So the reason why they have so much is because, again, going back to what story are they trying to tell? Yeah. And they have to, you know, be able to go to a resource of props that they can be like, yeah, this is what's going to tell this story. Yeah, for sure. And then obviously there's a lot of work that goes into that shot. And so probably hours just like uh, coming up with the idea, getting the props together, making sure you pick out the right pretzel uh, and all those pieces. But then you take that shot and then maybe there's processing on the back end of that as well. Like do you usually get the shot perfect the first time you take it or do you spend a lot of time processing as well to make them even better? I've got to admit, with food, when it's actual food, it's much easier to get the shot pretty much all done in one in one go. Yeah. With product photography, there's always there always needs to be post production. You know, you're cleaning up. Let's say let's go back to the can. If you're photographing like a, an alcoholic beverage or whatnot, uh, you always have to touch up. You know, there's always a, a few scuffs here and there. Sometimes we want to hide the barcode because the barcode's wrapped around to the side and we, you know, that's the design. We can't get rid of it, but in post we can. Yep. Those sort of things, that's why with product photography, most times the post-production cost is much higher because, yeah, you are spending that time for that one image that sells that one can that gets you more sales. Yeah, so what would you say sort of like if they're like a general rule of thumb, it's like, hey, like the like 80-20 rule, is that like the same in photography? Like you spend uh, 80% of your time actually taking that photo and then a little bit of editing or is it more take that photo and then edit it to make it look good? Yeah, I almost want to say 50-50 sometimes because it's yeah. like you are like you, I, I want to make sure I spend the time in the studio taking the shot to make sure it's really well captured for when I get to post. Yeah. And then in post, I look at it and there's always things that just bug me. And I'm like, no, that has to get cleaned up. No, that's not right. Um, the way I work, most times we can change out the backgrounds. Um, there's always like post-production for me is also the fun part. So I, I do spend time in that as a photographer. I do. Yeah. For, for me, I don't think 
a lot of people do spend enough time in post-production. They sort of like they probably spend hours just getting that shot and then it sort of stops there. But you can definitely see the difference between brands who do spend that time and energy on the processing elements to say, hey, remove that barcode or make that drop look a bit, little bit shinier or something like that. Uh, yeah, you can definitely tell the difference when you go to a really good website. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the details for me. That's what makes a good shot. You know, I've yeah. spent a lot of time in post with a lot of my photos and most times people are like, yeah, the shot looks great. And for me, it's like, yeah, it's the details. That's why you like it. Yeah. I probably wouldn't go to my Instagram or whatever and look at my photos because I, I wouldn't even know what app to open to start post-processing. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, Lightroom's a good, a good start. Yeah. Lightroom. And is there any other, like, any other recommendations that you have? Obviously, AI is sort of taking the world by storm at the moment. Has that entered into the photography realm yet? Or Personally, I've dabbled around with um, Lumina. I'm not sure if you've heard of that one. That's an AI-generated uh, kind of like photo editing program. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's not great for me. I wouldn't start there. I would probably finish off with Lumina um, in case, you know, like, some images that can be a bit too dark, you can kind of just crank them up with Lumina. It's very smart. You can remove the noise. Those sort of things, I think it's really smart. But other than that, I still need my, um, I use Capture One, which is a bit more advanced, but I could easily use Lightroom and Photoshop by Adobe. Yeah, cool. Is Lumina the same company that does the webcams? Do they do I'm webcams sure. as well? Or? Yeah, because I've got a webcam now and obviously I can just play around with it pretty quickly and it's supposed to touch me up oh, right. as I go and stuff like that. So, um, Look, yeah, it potentially might be. I'm using. <laughs> yeah, wow. They have some sort of AI thing built in, or that's their marketing tactic anyway. I don't yeah. know how true it is, but and as I said before, I don't like to play around with settings too much, but it, yeah. um, I feel like I haven't had to do too much with this webcam. Maybe that's the AI element coming into it. Yeah, it might be. It might be. And I wouldn't be surprised because, yeah, the um, the whole world of AI is just blowing up. It's actually insane. Yeah. Are you using like ChatGPT for like briefing or like ideas? Like how are you leveraging AI at the moment? The way I'm leveraging AI at the moment is using something called MidJourney. Yep. And you can use MidJourney through Discord. And what's incredible about that is on projects where we're still in the early stages of pre-production and I'm trying to get ideas and concepts, I actually input in mid-journey, which can generate images for you and see what that comes up with to help spark ideas for me. And then I'll get ideas and then tweak them and then present them to the client. Yeah. And that's something you couldn't do before. The way it was done before was you would come up with the ideas and then you'd, you'd get either yourself or someone to sketch them for you and then you present them to the client. Yeah. Whereas now I can literally present concepts to my client by telling Midjourney, prompt, imagine, blah, blah, blah. And it usually generates something close enough for me, which I can then even tweak in Photoshop to get it yeah. to where I want and then present that as a concept. Yeah, nice. So you just uh, touched on sketching. Is Did that used to be a big part of your life, like pen and paper, drawing how a product set would look like? Or very how rough. is that different now? It's very rough. Um Sketching would be very, very rough. Like it would just be like with a pen and paper. I wouldn't want yeah. to spend too much time. You'd kind of just quickly just sketch it out and then put a little description to show your client this is what I'm thinking. 
how important was that? I think it is pretty important for me to deliver projects that the client ends up saying, wow, like you've done a great job is so important for me. Going back and having to reshoot is going to cost me money and is going to annoy my client. Yeah, for sure. So getting they probably projects, won't even come back. They'll just get somebody else in. Well, when they've invested so much, they'll probably just try and <laughs> try and make it work. But yeah. most times, you know, like for me, customer experience is so important. So I'm always looking at ways to make sure that the client goes, "Yep, yeah, this is what we want. This is perfect," and then I can just go away and spend the time to make it happen. Yeah, for sure. I haven't played around with Mid Journey too much, but it's probably something I should spend, say, a day in just learning and figuring it out. Because obviously, we like run ads just like the product on a white background. But yeah. with Mid Journey, you can just put in, hey, put this in a jungle or whatever, and it'll spit that out. And yeah, some people are generating some pretty sick images from that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's worth dabbling into. I definitely think there's a spot for it in the future. And like, I'm not threatened by it. I think it will actually enhance the way we create images. So I think it's a great starting point, you know, just dabble in. I think every photographer should be dabbling in AI at the moment. Yeah, I think it's pretty massive, especially for the marketing space. Like uh, you, you sort of have to adopt it until it gets banned. I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not, but yeah. How, how do you see things sort of panning out over the next three to five years? Have you even thought about that? I have. I definitely think AI is going to be a big part in photography and videography. You know, just like with what you're saying, you're able to use AI to kind of just like, you know, soften your skin tones on this, you know, recording right now. Yeah. Like it's incredible. So within the next three to five years, AI is going to play a big part. And I definitely would, you know, encourage any photographer or videographer to start looking into it. You know, just begin with trying to create concepts. You don't even have to use it to create work. Use it to help you generate ideas and then go from there. Start now because I feel like if you don't start now, you're going to be left behind. Yeah, for sure. Even if it's just getting those ideas together and then you're going to somebody like yourself or another photographer to go, hey, I've got these ideas, like how can we bring this to life? Uh, So, yeah, like has people started doing that with you yet or are they sort of just leaving the work up to you? It might be a little bit too technical for like anyone to kind of get the gist on how to use the program. But if they did want to on my YouTube channel, uh, Raw Factory, I do have two quick little videos that show you how you can actually start on mid journey and it tells you how to like kind of install it in a way that's kind of quick and friendly and then actually put in a prompt to be like, imagine a pancake stack floating in the sky with maple syrup raining on it and mid journey will generate that idea for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's sick. How, How do people like, that's good. Like obviously people aren't there yet, but hopefully in the future that would make your job easier. But at the moment, how are you starting off with projects if somebody wanted to engage in your services? The way we start off with projects is we always start with a phone call and we need to know as much as we can on what we're trying to achieve for the client and what that will actually do for the client. From there, you would then, you know, create kind of a quote based on what they're hoping for. And then, you know, get a 50% deposit to start pre-production. And pre-production is where we ensure that before we even get to the studio, this is what the client wants and this is what's going to be effective for the client. Yeah. And then the fun, the fun part begins. Yeah, so I, I imagine your shoot days are pretty fun or are they more stressful for you? 
Nah, fun, fun. That's what we work for. That's what we work for. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And what what are those days sort of structured like? Are you going out for a full day? Is it half day? Are you shooting with the client and then going to grab some beers after? Like what does that experience <laughs> look like? Are you one of them I mean, that, them or? That would be nice. That would be nice. It happens occasionally, not a lot, but um most times we uh will we'll have a studio full day session. Sometimes you can go on for three days. Yeah. Just depends just depends what we're trying to do. And those days consist of just photography a lunch break and, you know, music playing in the background whilst we enjoy what we do. Yeah, grinding it out. That's it. That's it. Yeah, nice. And then, like, where is most of your work showcased? Because I know you're in the food industry, as you said earlier. Like, is that mainly used for, like, billboards or is it more used for websites, social media? Like, where is it used? The good thing about my work, it can actually be used on quite a few platforms. Uh, it does get used on um, billboards, kind of like, you know, street posters, yeah. um, social media, websites, paid advertising. You know, most times when I talk with clients and we try to actually help them find a solution for what they're trying to achieve, we do look at, are you thinking about putting a paid advert, ad, you know, advertisement on this, yeah. um, you know, launch? You know, what's your campaign behind this? Are, do you just want images? Why do you want those images? And we try to help dig deeper into finding out where best can you put, put this photo or video to showcase to your client, uh, you know, not your client, your uh, your viewer, who's going to see this? Yeah. And those are the things we want to ensure that that viewer is seeing it because then there's always like a call to action or like what's the step after they see something like this? What are they going to do? Yeah. And recently uh, with the paid advertising side of things, there's been a big shift to getting UGC content. Like, have you seen like your business sort of slowed down over this period? Like where there's been that massive shift of video and UGC and that more raw footage. And are you starting to see that business come back now? Have you not really seen that swing or? UCG, what do you mean by that? So user-generated content. So do you know how, say, like the Audi does it really well? They'll just pay, like gift the product, pay them, they'll make a video. And then yeah. we as Facebook marketers love that content as ads because it's such a goldmine and there's been a big shift to that sort of content. Have you seen that impact your business at all or not really? I haven't seen it impact my business in a negative way. In a positive way, I kind of do that same concept for like my reels as well. You know, I'm quite raw and I'm always putting myself out there as a photographer and trying to give tip, tips and tricks to help people as well. And I think it's great. I think that's where it's at. People like organic, people like real people. Yeah. And the fact that everyone has a smartphone these days and they can create content, I think it is great. However, high quality content does play a place as well. And I wouldn't say just move into like the one direction, I would say have a bit of both. Yeah. Because they I, both play an important role. Yeah, for sure. That's the point I was trying to get at because back in the day, you obviously needed really high quality pictures and that's all anyone would focus on is just getting yeah. the most studio perfect images on the website, on the socials. And then mm -hmm. it sort of went to that raw content, get as much out as you possibly can. But I yeah. was scrolling through like my social media the other day and I saw a Facebook ad and it was just of this ad that was super high quality, just product photography. And I was like, that actually caught my attention because it's not some 
uh, UGC creator just going, I yeah. bought this product and this is how great it is. It's like, yeah, uh, it's just different because so many people have gone to that UGC stuff. So yeah, I, I see the value in product photography for sure, especially high quality stuff because now it does stand out from the crowd because not everyone is using it now. Not everyone's investing that money there. So it's a bit of yeah. a point of difference as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, cool. Um, I just lost my train of thought there, but that's right. Cool. I was gonna, I was gonna say, based on like what you were saying as well, having high quality photos to showcase what the product is, is important. But then for your Instagram feed, if you need like content, like you know, content is king. Post more content. Well, yeah. that doesn't have to be high quality. That could be raw and and organic using your smartphone. Show reels of like, uh, you know, mixing a pancake mixture if that's what you sell you know that could be raw but then if you're going to put on like a paid ad it is nice to have a nice looking stack of pancakes shot well as the paid ad that you know also runs through and a customer sees you know that as the second touch point after seeing the first photo of being raw organic you know what i mean yeah, for sure. And I spend my Sundays pretty much just on TikTok researching like meal prep ideas. And most of the videos <laughs> I watch is just someone sitting there cutting an onion, just talking yeah. to the camera or whatever. So yeah, that there's obviously plays a part, but then obviously the bit that makes you go out and actually cook that meal is that like photo at the end of the finished product. Mine yeah. never looks like it, but I, I get close to it occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you sparked an idea here for me, right? Imagine you were a, uh, a spice company. You had a TikTok account that would show recipes and someone like yourself would watch that. They, you, they, they would show you that, oh, they've sprinkled in a bit of spices. And then you're like, wow, this recipe looks really easy. I want to make that. You click the video, you read the description and it says, this is what you need. Yeah. So then now you've clicked on like, you know, Woolworths and you've gone, all right, I'm just going to add all this to a cart. This is what I need. And that high quality product of the jar and of spices is a high professional shot. Yeah. They see how they kind of all play a, a place, like the real video of someone cooking to then now that spice company being up as a high quality spice jar. Yeah. You wouldn't want a shit photo taken on your iPhone of the spice jar. No, it's like if you go to a website and yeah, you obviously you you saw that nice looking meal and then the product photography just looked dull on the website or whatever. Mm. Maybe you're selling some, I don't know, I brought some beef jerky recently off a website mm-hmm. and I was just like, I really want this because I know it's really good, but it didn't look appealing on the website. It's just like, um, maybe not, but yeah. I'm like I've heard good things. So, but there was kind of a disconnect between like what people were saying about this product being really super high quality compared mm-hmm. to what you're seeing on the website, which maybe looked a bit dodgy. <laughs> yeah. You weren't convinced. No, definitely. And images play a big part in that for sure. Like the quality on a website, like you can tell if some, if a brand is invested in high quality imagery and like uh, conversion rate optimization and stuff like that for sure. Absolutely. We, we all want to take the lowest risk with even with me as a photographer, a client will see my work. And like you said before, your work looks consistent. Well, then you would know if you wanted to work with me, you'd be like, yeah, his work's consistent. It's a low risk. So you'd be like, yeah, I'm happy to pay you to take photos of our spice jar or beef jerky, because you know, this is what I'm going to get. It's along the lines of what I'm going to get. Yeah. So same with the company, if they look low risk, they look high quality and it's like, yep, they look established. Great. And they could literally be cooking up that spice jerky from their house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
but as long as it looks presented well on the internet, you would be like, yeah, they look legit. Yeah, for sure. It's sort of like if you are a small business trying to uh, look bigger than what you are, like a lot of brands that I talk to are pretty much just a couple of person operation and like they've got 50, 80, 150,000 followers on Instagram mm -hmm. and they, everybody thinks they're a massive team. But since they don't show their face a whole lot on the socials, then yeah, everyone just thinks they're massive where really yeah. <laughs> they're running it out of home. They've got a free oh, yeah. girl and that's it. Absolutely. Big time. Yeah. So just a question that I haven't prepared you for, but have you done like much product photography for websites? And then have you seen like the back end statistics on that, whether you've seen a big lift in conversion rates or is that not really your department? I haven't seen, I haven't seen the conversion rates behind a website, yep. but I do know that high quality photography, especially when clients think of uh, campaigns, and not just like here, I'm just going to get photos done. It's like, no, this is like, you know, for example, um, a Easter campaign, Easter's coming up. So then now they want to kind of put money towards photography, paid ads to promote what they're selling for Easter. How could that not convert? Of course, it's going to convert. Yeah. And most times when clients do approach me with this sort of stuff, they're quite confident because they've done it before and they know it works. Rather yeah. than just being like, yeah, we're just going to put up a, a photo up on Instagram and hope people see it. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people don't do is taking, um, they don't take seasonal shots. Like you'll see brands use the same image for Black Friday to Christmas mm -hmm. to Easter to Mother's Day yeah. to Father's Day. Yeah. Friday, and it's just like the same image with different headlines like while yeah. it does work to an extent imagine if you had i don't know love hearts spread all over their products for valentine's yeah. day like that's going to stand out a lot more absolutely people are going to reckon like if i'm going valentine's day shopping i'm looking for offers uh because yeah. i'm cheap my girlfriend deserves the best but i also want a good deal uh so like if i see an offer love hearts everywhere whatever it also plays on my emotions as well absolutely rather than just a product with some 15 percent off valentine's day offer the way i see it is it's, it's pretty straightforward lachlan when i when i see a company or a client coming out to reach out for paid ads photography whatever it is most times they'll want a return on investment same thing with you if you were to buy something you want a return on investment a service whatever that is you would go like, if I'm paying X, what am I getting back? Yeah. For sure. So if they can justify that, okay, I'm paying for photography. What is that going to give me back? More sales, paid ads. If I if I construct if I can point this photo to the right people, what will that do for me? Increase of sales. Well, then great. They can justify the cost. And I feel like our job when we're providing service is to ensure that we communicate this with our client that. Is this the best option for you right now to get a return on your investment? If not, what can we do? Where can we put that money towards? Yeah, for sure. And I think it would be beneficial for you, say, if you are doing a website shoot and they're revamping the website to get some of those backend stats as well. Because you can say, hey, here's the before, here's the after. And like, here's a 2% lift in their conversion rate. And if mm -hmm. they... On average, per month, they're going from 30K to 60K because of that lift that you've done through your product photography. And I think that mm -hmm. would be um, 
a really good thing to showcase on your portfolio. I know you work a lot in food, but even like if their conversion rate to, I don't know, like a subscription increases by 50% because there's mm-hmm. that much high quality images on there, uh, then yeah, it just makes it a no brainer, I guess. Some mm-hmm. of the hesitations that I would have, like obviously investing in product photography, like there is a stigma around it to say, it is going to cost a lot, but if you can mm. show that ROI and actually prove your worth and like, this is what it's going to do for you. And yeah, I think that would be beneficial. What do you think? Absolutely. That? Absolutely. I feel like every photographer should be talking to their client about sales. That's why they're paying you. Yeah, you know, exactly. most times that we think, oh, they're just paying me to take some nice photos. <laughs> well, yes and no. They also want a return on their investment. So if you can talk to your client about sales, then you're heading in the right direction. Yeah, especially for those seasonal shoots as well. You can be like, hey, this is what you did last year without the seasonal stuff. Like, I bet you come back every quarter or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. It's return work. And that's what we are really proud of with what we do as well is having repeat clients uh, because that tells us that we're doing a good job. Yeah, for sure. And the difference between, say, your smartphone and obviously your camera, like, I don't know if you want to disclose it or not, but like, how much did your setup cost? Like, my phone's like (laughs) $1,500. Like, how much do you think you've invested into your equipment? I'd rather not talk about that part. (laughs) It makes you a bit sad. (laughs) It's expensive. Look, it's expensive, but it wasn't something I just spent all, all that money at one go. It was yeah, gradually sure. built up. So for example, as a starting base, my camera is $8,000. Yeah. And then I got that and realized, hang on, I thought I had a really good camera. Why can't I take a good shot? Yeah. And it's light. I need better lighting. So then I'm like, okay, what light do I need? Then invested in lights. And I'm like, okay, now I need this. Now I need that. And gradually it builds. And it's like, I look back now, it's like, yeah, you're at least looking at, you know, $30,000 $30, worth of just, basic equipment and in basic it's like just to get a good shot (laughs) yeah yeah for sure it's like like when you see people with these massive lenses and you're like what are they even doing with that and and they're just taking a photo that's just like in focus perfectly yeah literally literally yeah i couldn't imagine um all the setups like like i think if i get a camera it should be like my smartphone it should take pretty decent shots no matter sort of what i'm shooting but when you get a camera you got to think about yeah like you said all the lenses the lighting the angles are that's so much there's more to it there's definitely more to (laughs) it but that's the part i enjoy Uh, and when we do get different products they have to be lit differently it's the same kind of setup but you always have to move the light around and light that product differently. And that's why sometimes we digitally do need more than one light. I can do most jobs with one light, but sometimes we do need a couple more to, you know, light the background, depending what we're doing, maybe light another angle of that product. But, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And that's where I enjoy being in the most is actually in the moment of photographing the product or the shot, whatever it is. That's the fun part. Yeah, for sure. And then what about your clients? Do they typically hassle you and try to give you some tips on set or like they're pretty good, leave you to do all the work or do they come in with ideas as well? So most times we kind of arrange that and discuss that prior to the shoot. That's where pre-production comes in and we spend a lot of time in that part to ensure that there are no spontaneous ideas on set (laughs) because you have to be prepared for those things. And most times we, you know, we get it all covered in, in pre-production and 
if they come up with an idea, we say, all right, how can we explore that further? Is it a good idea? And it's not just based on, oh, I want to do this. It's like, all right, your idea is great. Will that tell the story in the right way? Yeah. And then most times it's like, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Let's maybe not do that. Or maybe like, actually, this does tell it better. So we're always open to hearing what clients have to say. I mean, they know their product more than us, uh, but we also help ensure that they're communicating the right thing. Yeah, for sure. Have you had any like super weird request on set or like something that just threw you off? Um, that's a great question. Just trying to think of one super weird request. No, most times, most times it's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think on the spot. I mean, depends what you define as weird, but um, yeah, no, I can't think of anything crazy on the spot right now. Oh, we're pretty safe then. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah. And yeah, like for our graphic design services, like we get some like weird requests. They'll be like, oh, can I make it look like this? And we're like, me and my team have a like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, what looks good to somebody may not look good to somebody else. So yeah. That's true. That's true. So you always have to be open to hearing the client. And then, like I said, always asking the question back, like, will this actually be effective? Yeah, for sure. And then obviously uh, people are shooting a lot on their smartphones um, and we talked a lot about lighting. Like if somebody's on a budget, are those like Amazon light boxes for products worth it? Or like, have you used them in the past? Or I know they're a cheap, popular option. There's definitely a place for them when starting out. Yep. I wouldn't say they're the right tool to use for the job. However, if you were only using your phone and you were starting out and you couldn't afford photography, then absolutely, like they're great. But at the same time, think about, all right, am I gonna invest in another light source? So if I'm spending $200 on this Amazon light and then I'm gonna buy another light in like two months, is it better not to just be like, look, I'll just wait a little bit longer and then I'll buy the $400 light. Or if you're like me, you'll buy the $2,000 light. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever that is. So it, the best light source is the best one that you can get your hands on, but principles apply as well with lighting. And I'm actually uh, launching a light workshop at the end of this month that talks about the fundamentals of light and understanding how light affects your photos. So by giving you that knowledge, you'll actually understand that, oh, you know, try this principle in lighting to get a better shot, for example, because if you understand how light works, you can literally use a softbox, the window, anything really, the time of day, cloudy overcast day, super sharp sunny day with blue skies, if you want that hard lighting, all these things are in this course to help you understand of how light works. So then you can pretty much create the image that you want. Yeah, cool. And that's something that I've toyed with for years and years, like that many YouTube videos, just trying to get my <laughs> camera quality to look right. It's still not perfect, but I'm getting closer and closer every day, I guess. But maybe I should invest in something like your workshop to say, hey, here's how you set it up. You need a light there, you need a light there, you need a light behind you or whatever. And then um, you're good to go. Well, yeah, the light shop would actually help you understand what sort of light that you're after. And, you know, for example, if you want soft light, just like a, a normal day, that's super overcast with plenty of clouds, that becomes one massive softbox. So if you want that soft lighting as a photographer, who only can shoot with natural light, that's the day to shoot. But then, for example, you might be a, uh, a, a nice summer vibe company who might sell like, for example, I don't know, 
shampoo, yeah. you know, but you've got that nice kind of like, you like those, you know, shower scenes where there's nice sun hitting through that window that creates those nice hard shadows. Then you're going to want to put your product in that same, in that spot with the sun coming in on a blue sky. So you get that nice hard shadow. Yeah. And then that's so when you know it. Like, yeah. into it. It's crazy. It's like, you actually have to think about your light coming through the window. I just want to take a photo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why artificial light's great. And that's what we use. It's artificial light, but I modify the light to how I want it. And that's yeah. what this workshop allows you to also know, like, I can't just fluke this. I can't just fluke this and just whip out my, my camera and take a shot on this day. It's like, no, it's artificial light. I can create hard light, soft light. How do I light it though? Like, I remember when I started out with photography, I bought a light. So I had my $8,000 camera. Then I invested yeah. in like a, I think it was like a $1,500 strobe because I saw that these pros were using this professional strobe. So I thought if I bought that, my work's going to look good. So I bought all that. I went on set, I took a shot. I'm like, it still doesn't look good. It's still, uh, you know, they had a behind the scenes photo. I looked at their behind the scenes. I set it up and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And you know, it's until you can kind of understand how light actually works then I was able to kind of work out, okay, this is how I need to place my light. It needs to be at this height. I don't have to use this modifier. My lens choice has to be this sort of lens because lens plays a big part in making photos look good as well. So yeah. all those things come into play and that's, you know, that's, that's the experience I offer to clients is like, I know how to make your product look good. That's why I love specializing in food and beverage. It allows me to be an expert and I love it. Yeah, for sure. Like you're even losing me there with some of the terminology. <laughs> like, I've been <laughs> yeah. doing like advertising for four years, just sit on my computer all day. And yeah, I haven't even heard some of those words like soft light, like what the hell is that? Oh, there you go. It's wow. like, um, yeah, I haven't even heard of that stuff. So yeah, it's good to know that, yeah, obviously you're an expert in the field. And yeah, if anyone hasn't checked out your portfolio yet, then yeah, I highly recommend that because it's super crisp. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, before we get off today, do you have any other sort of tips for maybe a brand owner that's looking to take some photos, but maybe that they're on a small budget and have to use their iPhone, for example? If you have to use your iPhone, right? Massive, massive tip for this thing is if you're photographing something, just turn it upside down. The camera on the bottom always kind of looks better because if your product was like, say, my hand, Photographing it like that is better than having the camera kind of looking down. So the height of it looking that way is better. Uh, just give it a go. Even if you're like a restaurant owner, cafe owner, use your actual phone, turn it upside down, and I guarantee you it'll look better. Yeah, there you go. I've not hot heard of that. I've not heard of that ever. Turn your phone upside down to get better shots. Yep. There you go. It works. Yeah, mind blown. So, yeah, got any other hot tips for us? Um, window light, if you're starting out, get as close to the window as you can. Don't shoot it in the middle of your room with the light all the way out where the window is. <laughs> you want to get the product right to the window. Put your surface out, put your product there and take a shot. And if it's with your phone, turn your camera upside down. That's going to be the best and that's what's going to give you... Um, kind of a nice clean shot reason why you want the window and not just like in the middle of the room you'll get that nice massive soft light hitting the side of your product that's another good point don't put your camera facing the window you always want to be on the side of the window so if your window was here 
don't point the camera towards kind of on a 45 yeah you kind of want to be on the side of the on side of the window it gives you that nice kind of side lighting that's what you want side lighting on the product have nice soft light on one side and a bit of a shadow on the other side yeah nice yeah it's definitely something i haven't thought of so yeah yeah lots of of good tips yeah don't backlight if you're natural lighting um and if you've only got an iphone your, your phone can't handle backlight yeah, that's probably why a lot of my um, shots in the start when I was first started, <laughs> You're probably backlighting. <laughs> yeah, probably doing every, everything that would make you cringe. Probably, probably. Yeah. But I'd want to help you if I saw that, so I wouldn't cringe. It's all good. <laughs> nah, all good, mate. Well, do you have any questions for me before we jump off here? Yeah, I'll, I'll leave you with one question. I'd love to know, you know, you specialize in, in advertising and paid ads. Have you seen and do you see repeatedly a massive increase in sales for your e-com businesses that do actually invest in paid advertising? Yeah, there's one clothing brand in particular that we work with that does a, like a seasonal shoot along with their drop. So they'll pick a specific location. Say if it's more like a summer, they'll go to a beach or like their winter collection, they went to just some bushlands. So they try to tie it in with the collection. And yeah, they do really well. And like they have a lot of brands that would look up to them for sure because their image quality is so high. Um, and then their models are like handpicked, super cute as well. So that always helps. Wow. There's one like little boy, just blonde hair, blue eyes, um, super cute. And he just crushes it every time. But you sort of get into that age now after a few years, he's starting to grow up a little bit and maybe on the shoots, <laughs> he's not wanting to do it as much. So oh, um, right. um, yeah, that brand that invests like pretty heavily in their product photography, it definitely shows in their results for sure. Oh, wow. Fantastic. That's what you want. You know, like if a client's going to put money down on paid ads, they need to see a return on investment. And obviously, you know, you said the kid's been around for a while and is getting older now. So they've been doing this for some time, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And and it definitely shows because if you go onto like another website, even if you're comparing, say, clothing or jewelry, like you're shopping around for your girlfriend or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you go to one site, their product photography is all right. You go to another side and their product photography is good, uh, but their price point's also higher. You're like, oh, this looks better. Maybe I do go for that higher price point mm. as well. So there'd be AOV increases just based off making your products look good on the website as well. Like there's so many mm. benefits to having good product photography and it stands out because, yeah, I absolutely. Not a, like, especially smaller business, don't invest in that area because they're like, my phone will do the trick. Mm-hmm. So, so for smaller businesses, you're saying use your iPhone? I would say invest as soon as you can. Okay, yeah, as, soon as soon as you can. Like, yeah, obviously not everybody has the capital in a startup to get, just go yeah. out and get, I don't know, however much it costs, thousands of dollars worth of product photography done or videography. Like start out with what you can, but as soon as you can afford it, maybe need a tax mm. write-off, tax season is coming up, uh, yeah. then yeah, probably invest in yeah, getting some high quality imagery for your website. And if you increase your conversion rate by 50% because of that, then like all your marketing just becomes so much more efficient as well. Wow. So you that definitely a huge think impact. So you definitely think a client could increase their profits by 50% just with paid ads? Uh, oh, well, it comes back to the quality of the content that you're running. So 
with the way the ads manager is going at the moment, it's sort of becoming more automated. You're giving more inputs to Facebook to handle it for you. Obviously, we have a lot to do on the back end, like putting it into the ad account, analyzing what's working, what's not. But it is becoming more and more automated. So the high quality content that you do have, it obviously produces better results. Yeah. Right. And would you, this is the one that I, I am curious about. If I was a client reaching out to you, for example, and I was like, I don't know how much to put on paid ads. Do you actually have a recommendation on how much I should actually be spending on paid ads to get a, you know, a decent return on investment? Uh, yeah, obviously it's different for every brand, different situations and that sort of thing. But sort of our like absolute minimum would be $65 per day or two grand per month. So that allows you to do some testing, like maybe you'll run three to five images, let that run for a week and then maybe make some cuts and then scale up the budget or whatever. It's sort okay. of yeah, their minimum. Then clients we work with minimum 5K. So that allows us to do a bit more. Uh, yep. On that smaller budget, it is pretty automated and you're probably better off just going to my link in bio and clicking the 2K free month strategy that we just give away because it is pretty simple um, if yep. you can be walked through it. Uh, but yeah, sort of once you start spending more yeah, investing in that, yeah, it just gets more and more expensive. Obviously, you got to invest in photos, graphic design, ads, <laughs> website yep. conversion rates. So, but um, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I turn down clients all the time because I go to their website and I'm like, you need to fix this. Like your conversion rates are 0.8. Now that you spend yeah. some money on the layout of your landing page or invest in your product photography, like that's super important because if you have a website conversion rate of 0.8%, like 99% of the traffic that we send to your website isn't going to convert anyway. Wow. So you can actually tell, you know, by going on a client's website and being like, I just can't work with this. Yeah, because like if we're, yeah, like I said, 0.8%, 99.2% of people are going to drop off your website. So you need mm. to increase that to a minimum 1.5. Obviously, it depends on the industry. Uh, it's yeah. like if you're selling super high ticket, maybe 1.8% will work. But if you're just selling yeah. a general e commerce product, AOV between 80 to $300, then you need to push that conversion rate 2% minimum and try to get that as high as possible because. Yeah, if you increase it from say 1.5%, get better product photography, get that to a 3%, mm. you've just doubled your returns on all the advertising spend as well. Because wow. it comes two times more efficient. So that's super important. Yeah. So it all, it all works hand in hand by the sounds of it. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I would say website, making your website look good is the single most important thing a brand owner should be focusing on. Obviously your paid sides mm -hmm. important, but if you're your key salesperson, your website is isn't um closing those deals, then um yeah, that's gonna make a very hard time for your advertiser. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I mate, love that. I might have to get get you off the call and show you some rundowns and maybe yeah. how to present some of those numbers to um, yeah, show that improvement that your work is actually doing because the work that you do is super important and I don't think enough people realize it because wow. they would just take a photo, throw it on their website, that's good enough. Yeah. But if you can show those increases in conversion rate, for example, then Unreal. Yeah. yeah. Unreal. I love that. And it's all about data. That's why I said to you, if you can talk to your client about sales and by sales, it's data. It's like, all right, if I spend this, what's this going to do? Or like we, with you on your website, you need to improve this because you're only at this conversion rate. 
that's data and clients love data. And that's yeah. actually what allows you to actually charge more for what you do because you can justify the cost. Yeah, for sure. And I think you have a course on that as well, increasing your um, how much you charge as well. So yeah, yeah charge more workshops for photographers, um, pretty much anyone. I mean, there's no secret to it. It's just about like purely the course is about how to increase your cost by educating the client and helping them. It's actually about helping them because if, you know, the client's trying to make a certain amount of sales yeah. and they've got these amazing goals, but then they're like, oh, we only, we only want to spend a thousand dollars on photography. How does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. How does $150,000 in, in profit make sense to only spending $1,000? And that's why this charge more workshop is about how do you ask the right questions? How do you talk to your client in a way that's going to help them understand that yes, spending more is going to allow us to do more. And that's pretty much what the workshop's about. Most yeah. times as photographers, we get approached by a client and we just think, oh yeah, like yeah, we can do it, we can do it. But you didn't take the time to understand we can do it, but what's this going to do for you? And if so, can we do it better? Yeah, I sort of, there's a probably be, it's sort of like the difference between going to Fiverr for an ads manager and paying them $5 per hour compared to investing in our service where like you get a lot more uh, from that. You get graphic design, you get the monthly reports, you get those weekly updates, you get constant access to us. Mm. Whereas on Fiverr, you might, um yeah, obviously it's a lower service. So um, yeah, spending more. Um, it might seem like a bit of a hassle, um, maybe a bit daunting as well. Uh, but yeah, if you can show them the end results and what you could possibly achieve from investing and taking that risk, then um, at the end of the day, hopefully it'll be worth it. Absolutely. Yep, I agree. Well, there you have it. Unfortunately, this is the end of the episode, but if you're looking for more, be sure to find more episodes on the platform you're viewing on or head over to Instagram to find tons of valuable clips.